Hello everyone, you're listening to the Socially Desi Show, the podcast that motivates you to live, create and inspire. If this is your first time here, welcome. On our show, we discuss tips and strategies with our guest speakers on how to tackle problems related to personal growth, mental health, relationships, business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness. So hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com for more of such content. Today I'm joined by Mr. Nishant Agarwal. He's the founder of the edtech startup called Proctor. Proctor works to digitize educational institutions, schools and coaching institutes on its platform. The range of products by Proctor supports e-learning facility, inquiry and admission, fees management, selling test packages, conducting live sessions and so on over the app. The company currently has a user base of over 2500 institutions with more than 15000 teachers and over a million students. With that Nishant welcome to the show. Thank you Anurag thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the show Nishant and uh, a happy new year to you and the entire family at Proctor. Thank you so much and wishing you and all the audience is the same. Thank you so much Nishant and Before we begin the episode Nishant I would love to know about your professional journey so far and what was the inspiration behind starting Proctor So I come from a tech background I did my engineering in year 2004 from Delhi College of Engineering Post that I started my career working with Infosys Technologies in Bangalore and then I worked with Fidelity Investments and with Citibank in Japan for 5 years Okay so I took a professional experience in technology handling products and uh, serving to asia pacific and the european clients across 8 to 9 years uh, working with this large multinational mm-hmm. post that i decided to pursue mba which i did from ie business school spain uh, in entrepreneurship okay. oh, my nice. ambition was to start something of my own uh, i always had that ambition mm-hmm. so post mba i started my first venture with the name legalink.jp uh, which was providing legal drafting services to japanese smes Mm-hmm. and i did that for almost 2 years and then uh, basically i took a exit from that business and that is the time when i was exploring opportunities i come across a company with the name practo which was okay. uh, basically digitizing doctors cleanings hospitals etc yep uh, so and my sister uh, used to be a tutor so she was mm-hmm. teaching to 5th to 8th class students So she used to come to our house every day in the evening and uh, after teaching and then probably she was calling to parents uh, that your child did not come today you got this much marks and she was always carrying lot of books and notes uh, with her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i somehow uh, could relate practo with this uh, coaching industry i thought that why not when doctors are getting digitized why not teachers mm-hmm. use some technology Yep, yep. So that is how it all started and uh, we started developing a basic mobile application where teachers could communicate easily with the parents and students. They could send attendance information or maybe homework and a few other things. Okay. So that is how Proctor's journey has started. Uh, it's almost around 5 5 and a half years now we started the Proctor. Mhm. Uh starting from there we realized uh, that this industry is very much unorganized and uh, the usage of technology is minimal in this particular uh, industry in education industry in india as of yep and especially talking about private coaching industry this is very unorganized and uh, very uh, basically distributed market mm-hmm. so we deep dived into it and then realized problem is much larger one uh, what we are thinking it's not just the communication part but 
many people doesn't have access to the quality education and there is a lot of disparity in the pricing as well right so we uh, started building our solution we, wherein we could basically provide easy to use technologies to teachers so that they can mm-hmm. focus more on teaching part and uh, leaving behind the technology part to us so that is how it started uh, coming today uh, as you already mentioned that we uh, reach out to almost 3000 plus institutions now which comprises of almost a million plus students and 15000 plus educators are there who are teaching using our platform on daily basis Wonderful. so yeah it has been a great journey for us and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, i'm enjoying it <laughs> no absolutely what a wonderful journey uh, nishant and uh, um, i did not do my mba but uh, i am also alumni of uh, ie business school spain i did a, oh. uh, a short uh, certification with them for 3 months uh, that was around uh, brand identity and strategy wonderful wonderful professors and uh, a great ecosystem uh, right. so i really <laughs> for entrepreneurship it's a great institution Yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I love that I love that so glad to know that uh, Nishant and of course you know coming from a tech background and uh, relating how uh, uh, you know practo uh, for for uh, you know doctors can be related to somewhat uh, what the problems in the educational system was there and how you tried to figure out how can this platform be uh, you know translated into something that can be uh beneficial for the teachers for the institutions as well because like you said uh the problem was far larger than just communication it was not just the tech platform which was required it was more to do with how things will really work around that and we and we saw that uh, in the initial stage of the pandemic when the pandemic hit right a lot of institutions right. they faced uh challenges while going digital and i was speaking to a few uh educators and and mm-hmm. principals of different schools in delhi and cr and uh the initial uh, challenge that they faced was should they go for uh, something like a zoom call or should they mm-hmm. go for google classes so you know right. the, the challenge was very at, at at that time they felt the challenge was just uh, the communication but then you know slowly and steadily uh, there were other issues which cropped up and i wanted to understand this from you so my next question is what sort of challenges that you saw educational institutions face during the early phase of the pandemic especially mm-hmm. in 2020 and 2021 what were these challenges mm-hmm. challenges were far many actually uh, mm-hmm. the biggest challenge was nobody knew how long uh, this is going to be there <laughs> that was a biggest yep. challenge <laughs> yeah so yep people were not aware they should switch to technology or they should wait for 2 3 months and things should be back to normal so that was a biggest challenge uh, i think for them to basically plan anything but mm-hmm. once they realized after 2 3 months that okay this is going to stay initially uh, i was talking to a lot of educators basically but they were kind of waiting okay let's wait for one or two months probably this thing will be over and then we will mm. switch to some uh, basically again offline mode Yeah. or if it continues then we will start using some technology so we had to motivate them a lot or uh, basically spend some time we did lot of sessions actually to mot- mm-hmm. because uh, when it started uh, march april time that is a peak time for these kind of institution to have admissions right and that is the time when everything got shut down mm, so it was a yeah. real challenge for them because that is a, a business generating months for them and then everything was shut down so they were not clear actually what to do so that was the first challenge they faced 
then once they realize okay they have to continue basically in the online mode and uh, things may take time to get started in the offline manner so that is when they started adopting some technology uh, specifically for teaching online and uh, it requires some tools not only technology but they need a camera they need a mm-hmm. specific room or maybe even laptops or microphones etc which they were not having at that point of time because they were never they never used such things actually yep right yep. so uh, arranging all these things and uh, specifically during lockdown times it was really tough for them that was the second challenge they faced then once they arrange each and everything uh, and lot of free solutions uh, solutions like proctor and many other companies also popped up during that time who were providing mm-hmm. the solution so they had to basically choose one of the solution which were available in the market that again right. a challenge for them how to choose because everything was new to them whatever they yeah. found they started using such solutions and uh, next thing is basically how to engage to students how to plan their curriculums so all those things were again challenging because uh, in a offline manner probably you can take a 2 hour lecture mm-hmm. without any break but if you are doing something same in a online manner probably students attention may get lost yeah yeah so they true. slowly they learned lot of things okay how to conduct lectures how to give homework so they overcome such challenges i definitely feel our teachers are very good learners as well <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. quickly adopted to such tools mm. and uh, basically it became normal for them after a years time and now i think mm. they are very well equipped and confident they can continue teaching online and in fact many of our clients and many of my teacher friends who are teaching now they are actually planning from switching from offline mode to online mode now mm-hmm. so it has changed drastically actually they learned mm-hmm. a lot and then now things are back to normal i don't think any of them are facing any challenges true true yeah. no i absolutely agree with that and you have, you laid out the entire picture in a very crisp and clear manner and i'm sure our listeners today will really relate to especially people who had children and had to arrange for a device for them to learn every day uh, over a zoom call or different platforms but uh, nishant you spoke about uh, you know during the initial phase of the pandemic when mm-hmm. institutions figured out that okay there is a platform named proctor we can try them out then there are other right. platforms also that we can try them out and you said it was initially difficult to which one to choose right so that right. Right. that choice the choice was there but the decision making was a, a challenge so can you help me with what sort of usp does proctor bring into the market how is it different from other platforms and how did you help these institutions okay. to make that decision and help them conduct these classes so the major uh, if you look at indian market basically uh, the teachers are usually having their offline presence as well in india hmm. so very few of the educators in india are just teaching online so yep. everybody has usually a offline presence even teachers who are teaching on online platforms like maybe an academy or byju's so they also have a their offline presence in the market mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we have a usp wherein we provide a blended solution wherein these educators could manage their offline classrooms as well at the same time they can teach online and then do everything which is uh, online as well like they can sell their courses they can do online assessments they get a ready made website they get a mobile application okay so it's not only the uh, basically operational part we are handling we are handling their operational management as well at the same mm-hmm. time we provide a learning management capabilities wherein they can teach and 
do all other activities. So it's a blended kind of solution, which helps them manage both their offline practice plus online practice. So that's the biggest USP, I would say. Okay. Uh, second thing I want to highlight is basically uh, our users are not at all technical, mm. right? So they they are teachers basically, and they are running business as well. So they never use any technology. So making them use something is again a challenge. So we have yep. to make it very simple. Mm. And this market is very diversified. So it's not only basically school coaching. There are a lot of competitive classes. There are professional mm-hmm. courses which are happening. There are computer classes. So all these different type of institutions run in a very different manner. Yes. So catering to such varied segment in a single platform, which we have developed, is again a very challenging part. So we have done a lot of work on that, wherein these institutions can customize our solution as per their needs. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that is again a USP for us. That's why we are able to cater to such a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And third thing we focus a lot is uh, not only on the selling, but we provide a lot of trainings and uh, education to our customers. Okay. Because our job doesn't end when they basically just buy the product. Mm-hmm. So our real job starts after that because uh, it's not something you buy it and then start using it from day one. So you have to initially put in a lot of efforts. You need to basically get all your data set up in the system, which definitely need a lot of patience and work from your side. Yes. And probably after a month or two, you start seeing some benefits. Mm-hmm. So that one or two months period is again a very challenging period where we need to handhold well with our customers. So we spend a lot of time actually on training and providing support to these uh, teachers, to their okay. staff as well. So these three areas, I feel, uh, wherein uh, we have uh, a USP, and that's why customers usually prefer coming to us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And you spoke about diversity, so I wanted to ask you because I had this mm-hmm. conversation with uh, a few of my guests earlier as well. Uh, initially, mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of businesses, they started exploring a tier two, tier three towns, the Bharat side of India, right? So right. how how was this whole experience with Proctor? Uh, did you get a lot of uh, teacher or institutions request for Proctor from tier two, tier three towns as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Because mm. uh, in tier one, if we talk about people are still aware about technology, mm. right? So people know multiple tools, probably they know Zoom or maybe few other platforms where they can go and then start using. But that mm-hmm. awareness uh, is kind of missing in if we are going to tier three or four cities maybe. Okay. So they uh, start looking for online teaching solution or maybe they were finding something similar wherein they could find us and then they probably start using us. So that was not mm-hmm. happening uh, before pandemic because people were not actually looking for such solution other than we were approaching them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But true, true. But when pandemic happened, it was other way. They were looking for us actually. So mm, that's mm. why demand started coming from all across India and even outside also. Yeah. And what is what is the hottest question that they ask you? What is that number one question they always ask you? So so question has also changed over the period of uh, mm. last five years, I would say. Uh if I talk about five years ago, they used to ask us whether there is any such solution which can do this or do this or do this mm. because they were not aware. Okay. Then slowly when they got aware, they started asking, okay, my data is secure or not, mm. whether you will sell my data. And 
now basically since everybody is aware so so they don't ask such questions rather they mm-hmm. tell us okay i know about uh, your solution let me compare with other people and then i will decide so okay <laughs> the transition we have seen in over the period mm-hmm. of last 5 years but still a lot of people are there who are not aware of such solution so there we need to spend actually time and then explain them what benefits they will get mm-hmm. how much time it will take for them to start using it So those Correct. kind of things we need to explain to them and uh, they get convinced true true yeah i think uh, every institution and educator has their own requirements their own way of teaching and i believe if that way of teaching that style can be uh, complemented with uh, an online platform an online solution i think that is where you build a a, a great bond right i i believe I, in that and because like you said you know all of these teachers who are teaching online they have an offline presence as well and they don't want that to get diluted because right, right. Uh, e- even though we are in a virtual world but that that real life human to human connect and understanding in a classroom somewhere needs to still be there that hybrid system will still remain and um, right. even i was reading reading a lot of reports by different uh, mm-hmm. consulting firms and they were also talking about mm-hmm. this hybrid way of life and education going forward but right. i'm sure uh, but i'm sure nishant uh, in the last couple of years a lot of institutions uh, would have made some mistakes that you would have seen and tried to find remedies for it uh, can you can you highlight uh, a few of these mistakes that you saw institutions make educators make and how did you help them overcome it and what are some of the best industry practices that they should follow in order to ensure that this whole virtual world that we are talking about the hybrid world that we are talking about can really mm-hmm. sustain in a way that at the end of the day it's the learner who needs to benefit out, out of this so that learning is not hampered mhm oh, that's a tough question but anyways uh, let me try to answer <laughs> yes uh, i won't say they were making mistakes probably Uh, things were new to them so mm. they probably did not know how to do the things uh, right so some of the things which i uh, realized and got to know after interaction with a lot of teachers and then probably we also did some sessions to make them aware how to do it mm-hmm. like uh, uh, they were taking uh, online sessions not that seriously i would say not that prepared earlier okay uh, like for offline sessions usually teachers used to prepare a lot before okay. going to the classroom but they mm-hmm. were uh, assuming that this online is just a temporary thing so they were not actually spending a lot of time and energy and they were not comparing it uh, as per offline classes like they were taking it okay. temporary so they were not preparing mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. so but slowly they realized and then they started preparing for it some innovative things what we realized that uh, they were doing is like if there is a one hour lecture so if you do it in continuation probably students will lose interest as i said already yeah so what they yeah. used to do is they used to basically record that one hour session even before the actual session happens mm-hmm. then they used to play that recording in the online class and they used to stop after every 5 or 10 minutes and then ask uh, questions to the students okay so so that helped them basically to uh, have engagement with the students Mm, mm. right because if they uh, 
So we need to basically visualize the complete setup, wherein if you are doing a complete one or two way communication with the students, then you can never have a class, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because yep, true. if there are forty, fifty students in the class and then they keep on asking or disturbing or doing something, so then you cannot have a class. And if you are doing a one hour complete one way communication, then also it becomes boring for the students, right? To just mm, keep mm. listening for one hour. So that yep. was uh, the biggest problem they were facing, and then uh, how they solved it uh, is basically they used to, as I said, they used to record that one hour lecture. They used to play five ten minutes, and then they used to have some engagement. Then again, next five ten minutes, then some engagement. So that was a better way of uh, delivering a lecture in an online manner. That's what mm. uh, the first thing uh, we realized uh, after discussing with few of the teachers, and then probably we. Help other teachers to follow the same, and they mm-hmm. were really happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from this, second thing I feel is people were still hesitant to invest in technology. Yep. Uh, I'll give you a small example. Uh, for example, if you buy a webcam, you can buy mm-hmm. it in a price range, so maybe starting from five, six hundred. I'm not sure, but it may go up to four, five thousand rupees also, even yes. more maybe. Mm-hmm. But usually, what we realize is, is that teachers are buying maybe that five, six hundred, or thousand rupees wala camera. Yep, yep. So we had to educate them. If you invest just three or four thousand more, you get a much better quality video for the students. Yeah, true. So, so these small, small things actually help them to basically overcome a lot of challenges. Like if you use a collar mic, a good. the quality collar mic rather than just using a normal earphones or maybe using a laptop uh, mm. basically mic so these small small things also we help them to basically realize and then help them purchase so that they could deliver a better lecture uh, a third thing i realized that uh, these institutions actually were not uh, doing any online marketing okay mm-hmm. because they usually used to run based on word of mouth kind of thing right okay. it's a very localized mm-hmm. business for them mm. but when things goes online people are not interacting that much so word of mouth doesn't happen that much right so people yep. actually when sitting at home they are looking for online solutions so they may not necessarily find nearby coaching but they could study from some uh, some mm-hmm. institution which is far off as well so institution definitely had to start doing digital marketing which they learned now mm. and they are i think all institutions are doing uh, marketing now yes which was not happening when uh, pandemic started and not many of them even had a website earlier now they are yeah. having it mm. so these are some of the uh, i won't say mistakes but some things which were missing earlier and now they are doing it uh, pretty well true true oh, absolutely yeah. i i believe that because uh, even i uh, uh, you know heard a lot of institutions that didn't have uh, any uh, digital marketing activities in place and they then hired a lot of freelancers or experts uh, who helped yeah. them uh, get onto the digital marketing front and get some ads up get some social media presence up and like you said a lot of these institutions didn't even have a website so it was right. more difficult for them to then reach out to other people and and right. tell them that hey you know we are online and why don't you mm-hmm. get your child onto our uh, education system so that becomes a challenge of course i mean i think you laid out uh, some of these uh, challenges or mistakes the initial 
problems that were there that were missing in the uh, ecosystem. But now these things are uh, getting better. Um, Definitely. So, so when it comes to getting better, I would like to ask mm-hmm. you something. When it comes mm-hmm. to e-learning and virtual mm-hmm. classroom setups, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the best ways to incorporate this ecosystem into your educational institute? What would be your advice on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, my advice would be probably curriculum or the uh, course delivery mm-hmm. need to be replanned as per online. Uh, if we are talking about e-learning, yep. Uh, because in an offline manner, the delivery and then assessments and then engagement part happens differently than in online manner. Hmm. So, for example, uh, in an offline manner, probably while lecture itself, you are having having lot of engagement, and then you may have three four uh, weeks lecture done, and then you have an assessment, hmm. right? Whereas in an online manner, you can do a lot of engagement activities while uh, having the class itself. For example, if I tell you, we have a polling feature in our live class solution. Okay. Right. So during the lecture itself, teachers can ask some question and then students can quickly answer and they can discuss upon it, Mm. which Mm. is not possible during the offline classes. Right. Yes. Similarly, uh, students can post their questions and then teachers can answer all at once towards the end of Mm. the lecture. Mm. Same thing is not possible during the offline classes, right? Yes. So, uh, teachers can upload their content, study material even before the lectures uh, in the class itself, which students can refer and then probably they can uh, refer it during the class, Mm. which is again not possible during the offline classes. So, a lot of... uh, things which technology is bringing which are not there in the offline mm-hmm. so so basically teachers need to incorporate such things uh, in their uh, curriculums uh, in their lecture delivery mm-hmm. so that is the most important thing i think that needs change uh, mm-hmm. from the educator side so that they can provide better learning to the students wonderful right. i think uh, that's yeah. that's gem of an advice because uh, nobody is talking about this. You know, everybody talks about solutions and platforms. But I think this is a really good advice that when it comes to your curriculum, at least transform your curriculum or shape your curriculum to fit the virtual world. It cannot right. be a copy and paste of what you used to teach in a in a classroom environment. Right. But that needs right. to change. And I think uh, people listening to us today would uh, would have gotten really great advices and information out of you. And guys, of course, we'll put the links of Proctor in the show notes below. Go definitely check them out. Uh, if you want uh, any help, if you have any questions, we will also put Nishan's uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes below. Reach out to him if you have any questions. Shoot. And uh, I'm sure uh, him and his team will definitely help you with all your queries. Uh, so Nishant, uh, before we wrap up today's episode, I would love to know from you, uh, in your six years into the edtech space, uh, you must have seen mm-hmm. a lot of trends come and go. What would be your uh, you know, predictions for uh, the mm-hmm. edtech space in India for the next three to five years? Okay. So uh, personally, I feel edtech is just getting started. Uh, probably mm-hmm. due to COVID, I think uh, we are maybe three, four years ahead of time. Uh, but still, India is still a very nascent market. Uh, we 
think living in cities that probably everything is already digitized and everything has already happened. But if you look at stats, probably not more than 10% of the market is still digitized. Uh, mm. There is still a lot of market uh, and students who are not still having access to the quality education or even education as such. Yep. There is a lot of disparity in the pricing as well. So technology will uh, drastically help reducing the cost and increasing the accessibility of the education to much uh, deeper in the India. Mm-hmm. And a few other things which are coming in is basically with the help of 5G, a lot of uh, augmented reality and virtual reality things will come and it will impact the education system drastically because okay. cost of such devices will go down. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely AI, again, a lot of data is being generated these days uh, in the platforms like Doctor and many other platforms. So, which could help uh, basically designing the curriculum as per the learners. Mm-hmm. So, personalized learning and game-based learning is something which will be the future trend in next three, four years, what I feel. No, absolutely. Even I feel that uh, augmented reality will definitely shape up uh, the next three to five years uh, in the entire world. And uh, we saw how right. Facebook is going all in with the metaverse and a lot of other brands are right. already uh, getting into the metaverse game. Um, so th- this will so, definitely be something really fascinating to see how these augmented reality and the virtual world can be translated into the education side of things. And I'm sure, I, I know that a, a few of these companies in the West already have these uh, the toys and some games that they have, right. physical games that can be augmented uh, into the virtual world as well. So they already have this hybrid system coming in. Right, right. And uh, right. slowly and steadily, I, I feel that this will get into the mainstream uh, of the Indian education system as well. But yeah, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the tech uh, space evolves in India. So right. looking forward to that and uh, best of luck to you and Proctor for the next few years in the tech space. Uh, would, would love to see how things go. But with that, Nishant, uh, you have been an absolute pleasure to speak with. I enjoyed a lot. I'm sure the audience would have gained great insights from this episode. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, I hope to see you soon again on the show. Thank you so much, Anurag. It was a pleasure talking to you and yeah, good day. So that wraps it up for today, folks. If you liked the episode, give it a big thumbs up, share it with your friends and let's go viral. Remember, our weekly podcast features episodes on personal growth, mental health, relationships, business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness. We would love to have Nishant on the show again in the future to talk more about the blooming edtech industry in India. So if you haven't yet done so, hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com. And as always, before I sign off, remember, life is black and white and everything in between.